All right, Mots, we are back. Episode 170 of The Rink Shrinks. What do you say? You ready to go? Let's go. This episode is presented by Bet Online. Bet Online continues to be your number one source for all your basketball wagering needs, including pro and college hoops throughout the year. With up to minute odds, stats, and trends, you can follow your favorite team's path to the playoffs with in game live betting contests and all the best player props. Experience the world's best wagering platform anytime from your desktop or mobile devices. Head to Bet Online today to become part of the team and remember to use our promo code BELIEVE for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, the game starts here. So, what's going on, my man? No, nothing much. Just, uh, Wrapped up the regular season with the with the little guys uh, on to the playoffs. So exciting times. Had a few games with those guys last weekend. Uh, Brian wrapped up his season. They did a nice little tournament out at Cushing. Played uh, Friday night versus Winchenden, which was uh, you know a good game. Goaltender was, from Winchenden was uh, was fantastic. And then they played in the finals of the Bob Russ Cup on uh, on Saturday versus the Salisbury School, which is another. Really good game, uh, four to two. So good way they're back to back champions of, uh, of of their little team. So it was nice to get out there after uh, you know being away like we had been, and we you know Brian's on his own at Cushing, so we feel like you know you you don't see a kid for a couple of weeks and you miss him, right? So it was good to get out there and watch some hockey. Um, you know, a lot of family support took the ride out, some friends and. Uh, and and you know parents grandparents things like that so it was it was it was really cool weekend and gearing up here for the uh the MIAA Collins team uh is in the tournament they play Natick in the first round the round of 32 there's no more super 8 anymore like we used to have back in the uh the high school days so right. 32 teams get in uh they get their first game Wednesday night versus uh Natick so you know it's do or die time it's playoff hockey so he's uh you know, obviously getting good experience there. So yeah, all good on my end, my man. How about, uh, how about yourself? Yeah, it was, uh, kind of a, an emotional weekend. We, uh, you know, so Ryan's team lost to St. Seb's great game back and forth, always a good rivalry game. Um, but that they didn't make the playoffs. So it was his last high school hockey game. And oh, man. It was, uh, you know, a lot of emotions going through, uh, you know, that you're feeling, you know, you've been, you know, along for the ride, you know, with him and he's, uh, you know, captain of the team and and really poured his heart into everything, uh, you know, you want as a hockey player and as a person. So it was tough to come, uh, you know, to see it come to an end. And um, but there's, you know, opportunities ahead and, you know, a new chapter about to be uh, written, but. As far as um, you know, just that chapter being closed, it was kind of interesting when you could you know look back and reflect on a lot of the memories that you had, um, you know, coaching and just being a parent. And uh, you know, Courtney and I both, uh, you know, pretty emotional after the game, and and you know, g- give the the big guy a hug, and you know, it's moving on. But um, yeah, it was a great run, and you know, he uh, he took full advantage of it, and uh, and and every way possible so i was happy to uh to to see him succeed the way he did and and handle everything the way he did yeah and uh and and you know it's a credit to you guys as parents too because everybody that you talk to about your son ryan 
and his leadership skills and the type of character that he has is is really really strong and I've, you know you just talk to different people in the ranks right and that's you know so important in terms of life right and that's something that we talk about all the time but you guys have done a hell of a job and Ryan's a a special kid he's a great leader and you know whatever that next chapter is which we're looking forward to taking that ride with him and you kind of sharing those experiences here on the on the podcast um I think is, is really cool. But again, hats off to you guys as parents, right. To, you know, obviously raising a, a special kid and, and a kid that again, everybody that you talk to and every, you know, whether it's his own coaches or coaches within the league, uh, fellow teammates, he just has such high character. So it's, uh, you know, whatever that next step is, he's going to do an unbelievable job and, and, you know, hats off to him and hats off to you guys. I know obviously, you know, when one door, uh, you know, the, the chapter kind of ends here, right, at Thayer Academy, he'll be on to the next one doing uh, bigger and better things. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. Um, it was I was chatting with a school administrator, um, you know, about Ryan and trying to get him back on the ice and whatnot. And, and, you know, I was talking about his game and, you know, his future, you know, possibilities and whatnot. And he's in, he said, you know, he, he might not be a first-line player, but he's a first line person. And that was a very high compliment from someone who sees him not at the rink. And so we've been very proud of him and his development, you know, on and off the ice. So, you know, as far as uh, wishing him well, I mean, I I can do that in person, but I wish him well here. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's good stuff. Uh, We do have a great interview on tap with Ben McManamer and Chris Collins for up with the, um, you know, Bishop Kearney program. Uh, We've gotten a lot of questions about the, you know, academy type formula and those guys have created something special. But before we get to that interview, there's a couple other things we want to chat about. Speaking of characters and high character people, did you catch any of the Chris Chelios retirement speech? I took it in the other night. Uh, it, it was about, you know, 45, 50 minutes, but I watched the whole thing and you forget uh, he was such an unbelievable player, high character guy, hard worker, you know, similar to the things we were just talking about with Ryan just an animal, like in his day, Norris Trophy winner and, you know, wanted to include his teammates right off the bat. He's thanking, you know, the Chicago Police Department, the Chicago Fire Department, the Chicago, like EMTs. I just like, just such a proud Chicago guy and such an unbelievable player. Did you catch any of that? I did, you know, and you know, he was, you know, prepared, but he really just shot from the hip as well. Yeah. Like the way he, it's like he had a couple note cards. He was like flipping them around. <laughs> yeah. And it was, it was very genuine and you could tell, you know, just like it was a little sneak peek into actually who he is and why he played for so long. Number one, because he was a great player, but also because of the person he is and his work ethic. And you would always hear, you know, some stories floating around, you know, like he could, you know, be out, you know, with the boys late or whatever, but he's the first guy there in a, in the sauna, you know, with the sweat, suit on riding the bike you know crazy step ups crazy stuff but i um i always loved his game because he but really played on the edge he he played with a yeah. a real yeah you know just you know skilled but yet had that bite to his game that was necessary back then but also um you know to to have those two skills being able to be combined for so long was so impressive 
And, um, you know, then you see some of the clips later on when he was playing, he's like, geez, like, you know, the guy's like, someone was mic'd up. And we like get out of the tanning bed or let yeah, the kids yeah. play, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and he's just laughing it off because right. he knows he's like slowing down. But he was such a valuable player for the Red Wings after, you mm-hmm. know, the Blackhawks are you know for those Stanley Cups and and being uh you know a rookie coming in as a Montreal Canadian and just really putting his stamp on uh, on the league on the back end. So yeah, it was I. You know, my brother uh, went to college in in Chicago and would run in certain circles and see the the Blackhawks guys. And he said he was always just a great guy to you know approach. He was approachable. He was fun to be around, and uh, he treated those guys with respect as well. So, uh, great career, great speech. You know, if if you haven't seen it, make sure you check it out. Yeah, check that out online. And we'd love to get him on the podcast because I've I've you know read different things about him, different stories. And his path is so interesting. I mean, the fact that, you know, just growing up and his parents and, you know, we'll, we'll save this, some of the deep diving that I've done, like the, the black holes I've gone down doing some research on them to hopefully we much. So we get to pull off some connections and try to get them on. It'd be yeah. unbelievable. You know, I'll throw a few carrots out there and you know, yeah. see if we can get a bite. Yeah, see if we can do it in a sauna or something. But we were in <laughs> I, I I was in uh I was in Detroit in at Joe Lewis Arena when I was, you know, the Great Lakes Invitational around Christmas time. They used to do that holiday tournament and getting a tour of the Detroit Red Wings locker room and like, oh, what's that room? And like, oh, that's Chelios's room, right? He just it was a sauna that, you know, I think they built for him when he signed there. And it, that's like every morning was just in there just pounding the bike, just, you know, sweating out maybe whatever he did the night before and getting his, getting the body right. And, uh, unbelievable player, unbelievable, just, you know, tough animal, old school type of guy, which was, uh, which is really cool. And it was really cool how he, you know, he, he, he referenced Patrick Kane and you saw some of the, you know, the different eras of Chicago Blackhawks, not only guys that he played with, with, but, you know, the, the, the Patrick Sharps and, um, you know, Patrick Kane being there. Right. And then for him to go off and, you know, score the game winning goal and in, in overtime was pretty just like Patrick Kane, like, yeah, that was an amazing, you know, scene where you see the Chicago fans showing their love for an, uh, an opponent, someone who, who really, uh, turned that franchise around with Jonathan, Jonathan Taves and a number mm-hmm. of other players. But, um, you know, just a, kind of a storybook day. You know, you yep. got a legend getting his number retired and with a great, great speech and kind of like, you know, talking about all the, the great experiences he had in that city. And then the next phase of, of that uh, dynasty, it was, you know, a huge thanks in, in part to uh, Patrick Kane. And then he goes out and scores the game winner on a breakaway and, you know, it was just a. It was actually a pretty cool scene to to watch, and you know, the fans really showing their appreciation and and him uh, kind of returning the the love as well. So, yeah, it was cool all around to watch. Great and it's hockey. it's not very often that I mean, obviously, I think in terms of teammates, he probably would have had everybody that he ever played with on the ice with them. But you had three former guests of the ring shrinks, right? You had Brian Noonan, Tony Monty, Jeremy Roenick, which was pretty cool. But then you look in the boxes, right, and it's you know, Wayne Gretzky, Brett Hull, all these different guys, uh, you know, legends that were, you know, teammates at, at, at certain points, um, but also like fierce competitors against, right? And, I heard, you know, Gretzky was talking about with Chelios, just like, you know, you, he was one guy who was like, 
I was scared when I was on the ice against him because I didn't know what he was going to do. Yeah, he was a wild card where, <laughs> you know, like he he would wasn't afraid to sharpen his elbows in between periods if if he needed no, to. So and that's uh, yeah, and you watch his highlights and he he could do he could do it all. And yeah, one of the coolest things I saw was you know it was just, it was just a dump in, and he switched from righty to lefty and dumped it right. in. You know, right. so just an athletic. Uh, you know, great player. And, you know, obviously when you hear his speech, it's, uh, you know, he has a lot of depth. So my father, when Matthew Schneider was with the Canadians, you know, back in the, when they, when they won the cup there and everything. So he, they went to a Red Sox game with a bunch of Canadians guys. They were playing the Bruins in the, in the playoffs. And my father was friendly with the Schneider family. And Mr. Chelios was telling him that he bought Chris lefty sticks or, you know, like whatever. He broke all the sticks and he's like, yeah, you know, he was right from Greece and he was just like, yeah, I bought you, you know, six new brand new Sherwoods and they were lefties. And he's like, oh, dad, I'm a righty. And he's like, well, learn, you you break all those, I'll buy you the right side. You know, so we like learned how to play lefty. So I'd be interested to, to, to chat with him about that stuff and just little, you know, quirky things. But yeah, there's this video of him like turning his hand over and actually shooting a puck lefty, so... Pretty amazing, uh, special night there in Chicago, and it's cool to see. You know, last week we had um, you know Pittsburgh talking about you know Yager and stuff. So it's cool to see some of these legends that we grew up watching, and you know, like that was our childhood. Those type of guys. So it was it really cool to to watch those things. So uh, I think it's time we bring on the uh, the guys from Bishop Kearney. Uh, before we do so, Franklin Sports is the official street hockey partner of the National Hockey League. Check out their line of official NHL street hockey games and training equipment at FranklinSports.com today. Um, and TSR Hockey is located up in Salem, New Hampshire, right? Tax-free Salem, New Hampshire, where you can stock up on all your equipment needs. TSR has got it all. They got CCM, Bauer, Warrior, you name it. They do all their embroidering, their printing in-house. You can reach their team store, 603-912-5970. As for Micah, Dave, they'll hook you up. Um, Make sure you also go online, tsrhockey.com, if you can't make it into the store. They'll take care of all your shopping needs there. And now it's time for our interview. All right. And our next guest on the Rink Shrinks podcast, we have the boys here from Bishop Kearney Hockey, right? BK Selects. We have Ben McManama and Chris Collins. We're missing, you know, my UNH boy, uh, Greg Collins, unfortunately, with Mots was surrounded. I'm surrounded by BC guys here, but uh, great to have you guys on the show. Looking forward to this chat. Obviously, we get to catch up with these guys and, Mots, little fun fact. These guys, they coach, they're involved, everything, but they're also DJs. Like, they got jock jams going. They're playing, uh, you know, in between whistles. Like, whatever whatever the team needs up there, these guys, they, they bring it. They were so, so much so. They were in Pee Wee Quebec, and they were sitting next to the, the DJ booth just to, like, get some reps in in case they, the guy needed to go to the bullpen. So welcome to the show, boys. Looking forward to this chat. Obviously, we've known each other for a long time, so uh, good stuff here. We're excited. Thanks a lot, guys. Yeah, thanks for having us. It's good, good seeing you up in Quebec, Wit. Um, or Yans. Uh, um, <laughs> uh, and you guys made a hell of a run there. It was awesome watching you guys. Yeah, no, it was exciting, and uh, Mots has fallen along. He was kind enough to have the boys on the podcast a couple weeks ago, so it was exciting. And it's always great to to see familiar faces up there, and it just goes to show uh, you guys have, have, you know, at BK have really built a, uh, you know, a strong program, and it starts with the 
with the recruiting, it really does, right? And you can see it. Uh, you know, these kids are 12, 13 years old, and you guys are in the mix at the rinks and, uh, you know, making, establishing those relationships, which is, uh, which is pretty special. Yeah, I think that the one big thing is we get in the relationships with the parents. You know, we go out there, we hang out with the parents, we get to know them, we kind of get to know the families. And I think that's important. And I know where these kids are coming from because they're so young. But uh, yeah, hanging out with parents, meeting people. You know, these kids are so young, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, you know, I thought that's my second time going to that Quebec tournament. I wasn't lucky enough to play in it. Like, well, you guys on here, I don't know lots if you played in it, but I, I went for the first time last year. The thing is, it's amazing. So, yeah. I had an unbelievable time. How's the liver? It's, uh, you know, we're getting the gym hard this week. Uh, <laughs> let it all out. <laughs> Yeah, it's, a, it's a it's it's work, but it's a it's a nice nice little fun getaway. Yeah. So Ben, so as director of player personnel for BK, is that you know a, a primary role that you kind of take on as kind of developing those relationships and having a level of uh, comfort you know comfort for the parents to allow their kids the opportunity to come to Bishop Kearney? Yeah, I mean, like like you know, Ian said. I mean, my primary job is probably work with Chris and the DJ and the video board. But uh, <laughs> you know, after that with, you know, the, you know, creating the relationships, it's, you know, we, we bring in a whole team at U14 and these kids, you're, you're, you're talking to them when they're 13 years old, like they're, they're young kids. And you're talking to parents about letting their kids go away for the first time. It's difficult. So you gotta, you know, you have to kind of, you know, talk with the parents, understand, you know, answer all their questions. There's going to be a ton of questions. Um, it's not even about hockey, It'll be about food and sleeping arrangements and what they're doing on the road and all that stuff. And, you know, just creating those relationships, talking with them. Um, it goes a long way. And I think, you know, when Chris and I go up to Quebec, they get to see kind of, you know, the people that are involved at BK. And I think they know that, you know, we're good guys. We're, we're normal. You know, we're not, it's, BK is not a corporate thing. You know, we're, just a couple of hockey guys that, you know, love what we're doing. Great stuff. Yeah, I was up in Quebec. I mean, I was there three times as a player, which was, which was pretty crazy. My first year I went with 82s, I was 84. And I was the, the my picture on my car, I was like two feet below the crossbar. So <laughs> I don't know how I got taken on the team. Um, but, you know, the, the memories I had as a kid up there were just, you saw it, yeah. It was just it's incredible, right? It's magical. Yeah. So. Yeah, you know, for us to get up there, first of all, just get, like Ben saying, get to know a lot of the families and a lot of these kids that are playing the tournament. Um, you know, we've coached when they're younger. Or hockey to the small world. You see them all in the summers, and um, you know, it's just uh, it's it's a great place to build relationships, and it's a place that those families never. It's a week they never forget. So if uh, you can make some relationships up there during that week, it's always uh, you know always it definitely hits home uh, a lot better down the long run. Can you guys talk about the, you know, where the, the, you know, academy formula, like how you guys got started, obviously, Chris, um, you know, you and Greg kind of kicked things off. Obviously you guys had, uh, you know, great careers at, at, as, as hockey players, right. Playing at Boston college and, and obviously Greg playing up at UNH and, and Ben being a BC guy as well. Like, but you know, when you got done playing, can you talk about like where this idea came from and what other models that, you know, you kind of, um, you know, I would say like, you know, copied, right. To, to, to kind of bring this thing to the Rochester area and the boarding aspect of it and everything. Yeah. I think, um, I mean, for me, it started when I got done playing, um, 
got them playing my last year out in California. Played in the East Coast League last last year and did an internship um, down in Newport Beach. So I got on to Newport for two, three days and work, and then go back up and play hockey. As the year went on, it got harder and harder to go back up to Bakersfield once I got to know Newport. Um, <laughs> but, uh, this was my last year pro, and I I tried. You know, I thought I was going to get into the to the real world there and get into finance or whatever I was going to try to do. And um, you know, my sister was back home yeah. with my father at the at our family rink that they had had for about twenty years, and my father was getting ready to sell the place and probably move on. And my sister called me and Greg crying and was like, guys, you got to get home and try to save the rink. And, um, you know, that's what me and Greg got together and said, Hey, let's, let's go back and get back involved. And, you know, first of all, help save the rink from, from getting, from getting, uh, turned over and then let's build something special. So we got back and, uh, me, Greg and my sister, um, you know, the father's help kind of got into the hockey market in Rochester and started, just basically trying to recreate what we did as kids like how do we make it how did i how did i get to bc um you know how did i the, the path that we took um you know that was what we created there we started with evolve hockey which was just a training company um out of my dad's facility my sister did all the learn to skate little guys um which are now really the 2011s that were really the first learn to skate age group um when we first got back there so you know it was just it was in the families in the blood is what we knew it's what we loved um and as it kind of morphed each year, we I started working with the midget players, and I actually started with BMAC. I, I gave BMAC a call, and he was down coaching the Rats in Boston. And I was asking him, like, hey, I got to get these kids up in Rochester, upstate New York, whether Syracuse, Rochester, Buffalo. I got to get them exposed down to the prep schools because that's how I, I first really made it. I played high school hockey up in Rochester, freshman, sophomore year, and then got lucky enough to go to Taft and play with Ryan Shannon and a bunch of good guys out of Taft. Um, and that's really where the world kind of opened up for me hockey wise. Um, so that's, you know, from there I went to Des Moines and on to BC, but took that, you know, what got me out of Rochester. And that's what we, that's what we started to work on in Rochester is it's, you know, getting those players um, in the right situations in the fall and kind of get them educated on the prep school, how it all worked. Um, and some of those, those teams we were playing in the fall were these academies. And we, we played off Kent and, uh, I remember that we went down, we got beat by South Cali 12 nothing. I was like, oh my God, who, what, what is this? Um, and that was really the first academy there with Devin Rask and all those guys. They were, they were running a pretty good, pretty good operation down there. That was my first exposure to um, the difference between prep school hockey and really the academy model. Um, you know, and fast forward a couple of years later, uh, Bishop Carney had the girls program, and the girls program started back in, don't quote me on the year, but I think it was 2018 or. 17, 18 there, and they were they were cranking along pretty good, and the school was looking to start a boys program. So, um, you know, me and my brother were cranking along with the midget, with the Russia Coalition up in, in the city, and the school approached me and asked if I'd be interested in it and kind of um, went and saw what the girls had going on and, and jumped at it. thought it was a really good opportunity uh, for not only, you know, the local kids, instead of having to leave home like I did, um, get those kids the chance to stay home in Rochester and play for a, a prep school prep school or hockey academy right in their hometown um and the Russia coalition midget program keeps keeps cranking along they're moving kids to prep school left and right so you know we're keeping the coalition going and then now you got the, the home base at bk um which a lot of the home the kids can stay home and play it play instead of moving away and a lot of good players coming into the region for the, the younger kids to look up to so it's it's become a pretty special thing and bmac was really the one that that, that got me into all this crazy midget stuff <laughs> so thanks <B> Mac. sorry <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, yeah, it is amazing to to see kind of how, you know, the evolution of, you know, your passion for the game, you know, number one, and then just kind of streamlining it, streamlining it to, you know, be most valuable for different age groups, right? And that's important, you know, as, as being a, you know, uh, you know, giving back on some level to the game that provide you so much. And that's what, you know, as we talk about, you know, the academies, we get a lot of questions about the academy model versus prep school versus, you know, public high school or junior or so, you know, just the, the landscape has changed a lot since, say, I came through for sure, you know, black and white TVs are gone. In the early 60s. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Everybody the used age. friction friction tape. <laughs> yeah. But uh <laughs> Cooper <as> as <laughs> the academy model, like it, it did come, you know, I, I felt that it came, you know, from west to east a little bit. And to capture that model and 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 have success with it and you know continue to to grow and develop young hockey players, whether it be you know split seasons to full seasons now. Um, it must be very rewarding, like to, just to see the progression. And again, you guys kind of started it right around the pandemic, right? As far as the boys' side, yeah. Um, that's you know, the, everyone always asks how how BK got started so quickly and how we had so much success. And um, I, the pandemic was crazy. You know, schools were shutting down left and right. All of Canada was shut down, pretty much. Um, players were looking for a place to play, and that was really right when we started the boys' program. Um, so, you know, as hard as COVID was for us, and I mean, man, some of those kids being away from home had to stay in hotels for seven days, 14 days. I mean, it was just crazy. So, you know, commend a lot of those young kids there, especially with us in the beginning that fought through it. But, um, you know, when players were looking for a place to play, these old institutions were shutting down and we were, we had just made this investment, um, and commitment to start this program in this academy at the school. And I give a lot of credit to the president of the school at the time, Steve Saluzzo, um, great guy, local guy. And he, uh, you know, he's like, Chris, Hey, we're, we're going, we're full green light. And I'd be like, Oh, New York state's closed. We can't play. So we're going to bust down to Pennsylvania to, on Thursday. And then on Wednesday we find out Pennsylvania's closed. So, <laughs> so then we'd be like, all right, Hey, we're busting down to Ohio. So now we're going down to Ohio. We're playing, we're meeting little Caesars, playing them in Youngstown. Uh, and then we had a quarantine on the way back with, you know, 60 kids in a hotel in Erie, Pennsylvania. I was questioning uh, what I was up to there. <laughs> um, but, you know, there was just crazy times. But that's that's a lot of the reason we we got started and, and we're so, so successful early on. Um, you know, we, we took the opportunity. We jumped at it and we had a, a lot of support from the school administration, which was a huge, uh, you know, I can't say enough about those guys getting us off the ground. You know, the hockey was the easy part. Um and bring a good staff and good coaches in. But um, without the school support there in the beginning, first year or two, we wouldn't have been able to, to have the success we've had now. Can you talk about the, um, you know, the boarding aspect of it? Obviously, you're asking these kids at, you know, 13, 14 years old to move away from home, a lot of them, um, and just looking at the rosters. And I know you've had a lot of success winning a national championship at the U14 level, Um you know, last year and everything. So it's like, it must be a big adjustment, but can you talk about kind of some of the growing pains and, and, you know, what challenges you've faced with, uh, with, you know, these, these families, right? Yeah, no, it's, it's difficult. I think every, you know, this is our fourth year, right? Uh, we tell parents right away, we're young, we're trying to figure things out. Um, 
it wasn't perfect when I first got there. I wasn't there the first year. So COVID that was, that was all Chris. I was, I was basically in Cape Cod doing nothing for a year. So um, you got to, you got to have the, the torture year, but I came in the second year and, you know, we listen to the parents, we listen to the kids to see what, you know, what they need, you know, what's going to be successful for them. Um, we have great relationships with our parents and we've grown so much since, you know, first, since I got there, I couldn't imagine the first year during COVID, but since I got there, I mean, I remember the dorms, the first year it was, it was, it kind of looked like a prison. It was white walls. It was not, there's nothing there. And we're just kind of every week doing a new project, trying to you know, make it, make it better. And now we've got, you know, a state of the art dining room upstairs and you know, the dorms are, you know, that's, they're in the building, in the schoolhouse, the top floor and they're state of the art. Um, but it didn't happen. It wasn't just like all that started day one. It's been one pro- project after another, um, talking with the family, seeing what they need. It, it's, you know, that, that collaborative effort and those good relationships that we have with the families and the kids is kind of why we've grown and them. And I think the parents also understanding that we know things aren't perfect, but we're going to make them better. And right now I'm really proud of where, you know, where we've come in the last couple of years. It's, it's crazy. Um, you know, we're, we're hiring, you know, a lot more res life staff. Um, you know, we're, we're, we have new projects coming up every summer. Uh, so it's, it's, it's exciting. It's, it's exciting to see where we started, where we are right now. How's the food? Oh man, food. See, it's not bad, but it's, it's the one thing that there's always going to be complaints and we're working hard on it. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's funny. I tell everyone, it's like, oh, I'm going to Bishop Carney to, you know, just do hockey all the time. And it's like, no, I'm doing like 2% hockey and the rest is, is, you know, making putting out fires. Yeah. Putting out fires, making sure that the food's good. And, you know, little John DJing. didn't do his homework and it's, it's, it's wild. Yeah. DJing. That's, well, that's the, that's the good stuff. But um, yeah, no, that, it's, it's wild, but it's, you kind of get up there and you're like, all right, you're not really a hockey coach anymore. You're responsible for these, you know, 82 boys and you want to make sure that they have the, the greatest experience. And, you know, that kind of takes over to kind of go to the forefront. Yeah. I think the big thing too is when I was at Taft, I mean, like I went down there, I, I was so picky with the way I ate food and I, I went down there for the first two months. And if I wasn't back then, he didn't have DoorDash and Grubhub and we we're not too far from the town water town. We had to walk down there at night and you couldn't, if you didn't eat the, what was served at dinner, you weren't eating, right? You're eating ramen noodles up in the, up in the dorm, whatever we were doing. But, um, you know, I got, I learned how to eat, learned to eat vegetables and, and learn how to, how to be polite at the dinner table. I got home to two months later, my dad was like, who, who is this kid? You know? So I, I hope that that's something that we hope that, you know, when we, when these kids go back a couple months later and, and see their parents or grandparents that, they're like, wow, you guys are, you know, you're maturing, you're changing, you're, you're, you're starting to become a, a young man and you're able to eat more than just peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. So um, the food, the food's good. It's getting better and better. And like Ben said, it's one of our projects that we're really focused on as, as we develop the school and just away from just a normal day school into a international boarding school. So it's a lot of work, but um, you know, it's, it's coming a long way from where we started, like you said. It's a, it's kind of crazy. It's like, it's, it's all the little things. And I know we talk about it you know, with our coaches and on the ice and doing all the little things, right. It's all the little things in the dorms, um, you know, getting to bed on time. Like they've got freedom now. Are they going to be playing video games? They have to learn how to do that stuff. And a lot of it, and I tell the parents, 
you know, a lot of parents ask me like, or tell me my kid's not ready. And I tell them, I say, listen, your kid's not ready. Okay. They're going to fail. They're going to fail a lot right off the bat. It's okay. It's a learning process. They're going to get better at it, but we're going to teach them all these little things, you know, how to travel on the road, how to be respectful to the, the hotel staff, um, stuff like that. It's, it's all the little things that, you know, when you're older, you just, you, you know, but we got to teach them that at this uh, young age, especially these 14s that come in, they, they really know nothing. It's wild. Um, and it's, you know, it, it is rewarding though, to see, you know, you get your 14 team and then they turn into your 15 team and you see how well they're behaved and they do the right things. And they're, they said, they're saying, yes, sir. No, sir. And, and, you know, being polite, and, you know, we take a lot of pride in that. And it's, it's fun to see it. It's fun to see the whole process of it. I mean, as far as, you know, the similarities between, let's just say, you know, you move the, the age up to, you know, college age kids and, you know, parents seeing what coaches can do for their kid, you know, not just hockey wise outside of hockey, what type of, you know, uh, what type of culture there is, you know, what type of, you know, values is this coach instilling in my son. And that does play a role into some, you know, decisions. So, you know, you, you rewind it to this very impressionable age and you really have, you know, um, you know, an ability to to make really big, a big impact on these young kids, not just on the ice, but in life. And that's really huge. So that's really cool. So you have 82 um, right now in the program or in the school. Mm-hmm. 82 boys. There's 40 82. girls on the on the other side of the building, 40 girls, uh, two girls programs, 16s and 19s. Yeah, so that is a lot. Like you said, you know, you say you're there for hockey, but, you know, that's just a small piece of it. And, you know, the responsibility that comes along with that is, you know, pretty big. And that's uh, pretty exciting, too, and rewarding, I'm sure, on your end to have that impact and that positive impact on the ice and off the ice and shaping these young men. Yeah, it's funny, Mots. It's like you go and you start, you know, you're teaching these kids how to do things. You got like this little Jerry York on your shoulder. (laughs) You just, you know, you can't believe it. You're saying the same things that he did. But I mean, like Jerry, he was the best, right? You know, but he, he taught, taught us a lot about how to, you know, how to act, uh, you know, away from the rink. Um, And, you know, we, you know, Chris and I both, you know, and and our staff really, you know, take pride in that. Oh, that's great stuff. Um, Can you guys talk about the, you know, walk us through a day in the life of a BK player, you know, call it a student athlete. So like Ben said, all the kids live up in the third floor. Um, they, a breakfast is served up on the third floor between seven and 8 AM. So, you know, some kids get up at six 30 and, and get this, their breakfast by 7 AM. Some kids might get up at seven 50. Um, yeah. but we try to tell them to get there as early as possible. Um, there's a private shop up there on the third floor. Um, really nice new dining. I've had some some luck some luck with some donors that have been really supportive of the program that help us get that space built out. Um, so breakfast served seven to eight, which is which is great. All eighty two boys up and up and rolling. Um, you know, we we'll have NHL Network on in the mornings. One player loves Formula One racing, so we got that on in the mornings for him. Scans Scanbury <laughs> there loves loves racing from Montreal. Um, so breakfast until eight, and then class starts. I think at what eight eight oh five, Ben. So yeah. they, they got to be downstairs um, in class for for homeroom at eight oh five, approximately then. And then they have school downstairs from that time until um, the early blocks 
leaves at 12.30. So we have two, an A and a B block. Um, you know, so the first 40 kids will leave at 12, 12.30 and head over to the rink um, from school. And then the kids that are on the other block will leave at 2.30. Um, and that's how we kind of transfer. When, when 40 kids move over to the rink, they're skating, working out, doing skills, video, whatever it is. That's, that's their hockey part of the day um, and the strength conditioning. And then when that bus goes back over, picks up the next group, they'll roll over there and then it'll take back. So it's like a shuttle service back and forth. Um, it's been working out really well. We got David Arduin, who's our logistics coordinator. Our, uh, he's got he's got the brain that me and BMAC don't have. So <laughs> he, he sets up our uh, master calendar for us and make things run like clockwork. So, um, yeah, so the kids are in school from about 8 to 1230, um, depending on the day. They're over at the rink from from 1230 until about five or so, 536. And then they'll come back to the school um, and dinner's ready, serve form. So they'll have dinner up there on the third floor. Um, you know, same idea as breakfast, private chef, make a dinner. They got, you know, NHL games on that kind of stuff and have about half an hour to an hour to eat dinner. And then depending on if it's the 14, 15, 16, 18th, um, you know, 14, 15th at study hall um, at that time of night. And the older kids have some more, privileges where they can go down to the shooting rooms and well, I guess you call them skills rooms, can't call them shooting rooms. Um, but to go down to the skills rooms and, uh, you know, sit candle, shoot pucks and, and kind of hang out downstairs for the night. So pretty rigorous day. Um, <clears throat> I think what's really important too is during the day, you know, they are with 320 other day students, right? So you have not just hockey players in the school, you have 40 girls, 82 boys. So you have 122 residential students, but the school has approximately 450 students, so I'm not right there, BMAC. Um, you know, and, and those kids come from all over the city. So for me, it was really important in starting this program. It wasn't just an online school. It wasn't just, hey, you're going to be sitting in a, in a hockey rink or sitting in a classroom and just hanging out with the hockey players. Um, you know, from 8 a.m. To, to when they leave for practice, they are fully integrated into our the Bishop Kearney uh, Catholic School. Um, you know, it's been around since the early 60s. Great, great faculty, great staff, um, and there's kids from all over the city. So, um, you know, again, the first couple of years with COVID, it was hard because you didn't have other sports going on and they were so segregated. You had to wear masks and they were just kind of like, you know, just split up from the rest of the school. But now with COVID being over, now the kids are able to go back and watch basketball games, watch football games, be a part of the school. We're really starting to integrate the hockey players with the, with the day students and um, you know, it's really exciting for us to see that come along. Um, so, yeah, it's a rigorous schedule. I mean, it's a full-on day. So, you know, that's Tuesdays we really rely on, or we focus on skill development for the most part. Um, and then Wednesdays, as you gear up to the to the weekend, you start focusing on <clears throat> team team stuff, getting ready for the weekends, whether you're at home or on the road. So, um, have I missed anything there, BMAC? No, just I would say that the, you know, kind of the paint a picture of what the the schoolhouse and the dorms look like. I mean, it's, it's an old Catholic school, right? It's, uh, you know, I know the Mots and Nans, you know that. You drive by, by one every town, right? They've got those yellow bricks. That's what it is. But it's an enormous building. And, you know, we hauled out the top floor to make, you know, state-of-the-art dorms. But on the in the basement, which I think is, you know, kind of the cool part is we've got skills rooms where kids can shoot pucks, right? You know, it's, it's, it's really outside-the-box thinking. And making it so that these kids can go do that stuff. I mean, they've got a private gym uh, in the you know at the dorms, um, state of the art gym. They can get extra workouts if they want. But that's a big thing, right? That's what Chris and I have always talked about. It's you know we didn't get to where we wanted to go by just being on the ice all the time. 
it's all the work you put on, put in in the basement, shooting pucks, you know, every night after dinner, um, like that's the stuff. And we, what we have to do is replicate that for these kids. Um, and we don't, we don't stay on them and say, Hey, you got, you didn't shoot pucks tonight or you didn't do this. You just got to learn it. And the cool thing is we've got all these older players that, especially now with social media, everyone knows who these kids are. Um, you know, they're committed to college. They're, they're, you're big time recruits, all that stuff. And our young kids come in and they see that. So instead of us having to tell them, go ahead, go do the extra work, they just do it because we have like-minded people in the building. And if they, they understand that if they want to get to that next level, they got to do the extra work. Um, so I, I think that part's really cool. It's, it's, it's fun to watch, fun to see these kids. Um, I know when the, the 14s come in, they, they don't really know what to do. They go to the, to the weight room and they're just kind of walking around. They don't, they don't really understand what to do, but they see it. They see what, you know, what it takes to, to get to the next level. And, you know, and then they, they start doing it and they start acting, you know, the way the older, more mature players are acting because they all live, they all live on the same floor. They're all together. You know, all, you know, the 14s through the 18s, they're all, you know, right next to each other at breakfast, uh, you know, shooting pucks, wherever it may be. Um, and it, it's a, it's a really good environment. Um, Cause I think that, you know, the kids push each other, uh, especially in practice too, you know, you know, you can have all the drills you want and the fanciest drills known to man. It doesn't matter if you don't have 20 guys out there with high compete, you're, you're not going to get better. So it's all like-minded people, all people that really want to succeed, that love the game of hockey. And that's, that's, those are the kids we, we try to get. And I tell parents that all the time, like this place is not for everybody. Um, it's for people that really want, really love hockey. They kind of, you know, they eat and breathe hockey. And, you know, for those kids, they will be successful. Well, I, I think we talk about it a lot about accountability and it can come from different areas, right? You guys, as coaches, as administrators. Um, but the, I think the healthiest is the, is peer accountability. And it seems as though you have a great infrastructure, you know, along the way here where the older kids are leading by example and it just feeds into it. And it's just a, a, a cycle. As long as you're getting the right players in there and the right character players and people. And those are the little things that really do separate, separate you and set you apart. You know, that, accountability being, you know, like, Hey, let's, yeah, I'm not really feeling it tonight. And yeah, let's still go down and shoot some pucks, you know, something along those lines. So let's get a little, you know, maintenance, let's maintain our maintenance or whatever you want to call it. Right. It's uh, and, and that, that builds habits that builds good habits. And then, you know, collectively as, as you're talking about the younger kids coming in and seeing the older kids doing the work and, you know, putting the work in and, and putting the time in outside of just being on the ice and it just feeds into success. So I think that's a great setup. And, you know, thanks for walking us through, you know, a day in a life, uh, you know, because I kind of want to re- rewind the tape and go back and, and yeah, be in I, the mix. You still got some eligibility, Mott. Yeah. <laughs> I think so. But I think one of the things that BMAC talked about, too, like when we first started the program, I was like, well, how are we going to compete with all these, these these prep schools that are beautiful Rolling Hills campuses and rinks on campus? And Berkshire's rink's, what, $40 million rink? I mean, it's... You know, how do, how do we compete with that being in Rochester and, and having the rink 15 minutes from our campus? It, it really hasn't been an issue for us. I think if anything, it's been nice to have the kids have their school and being at school, being a part of the community, uh, living there, like BMAC saying, working out with the team, um, hanging out with the girls program. I mean, you know, a lot of elite athletes all there focus on the same goal, right? But then you leave school at 1230 or, or two, depending on the day, and bam, it's time to 10, 15 minute drive over, 
relax, text your parents, whatever you got to do. And then it's time. It's hockey time. You get to the rink just like you do in college or junior and you're at the rink. Now it's time to focus and um, whether it's strength, conditioning skills, practice video, um, it kind of separates the day. So it doesn't, you know, sometimes you heard a task. It's just, it's a beautiful campus, but you're, you're just always there. You're always in the same spot. Um, so we, we found it's actually been pretty nice to, to have the two separate locations there. Um, you know, and then the kids get back to school and it, it changes scenery. Plus, now, I grew up in Rochester, New York, so I'm, I'm biased, but I, I love the town. Uh, it's, it's a hockey town. Um, the east side is, is a golf mecca. So if you always want to come up and play some golf in the spring and summer, uh, Oak Hill, Ronnie Monroe, CCR. So it's, uh, you know, we always tell the parents come in, the dads go golf and the moms go south and do the wine tasting and the kids play hockey. It's a pretty good setup, you know. I was telling Mots when I was up there last year for the first time, I'm like, Mots, you'd love the lawns up here, like beautiful green grass everywhere. It's it's unbelievable. I remember texting you guys being like, I, I can't get over it. The golf courses must be beautiful. So we're going well, to have so much uh, snow. Yeah, so much snow in the winter, you just get the blanket. So the, the golf courses, by the time the snow melts, they're flush and ready to roll. Um, no, it's an, it's yeah, a, it's when, the, when the snow melts in August. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 71 well, i know it was beautiful here in boston too it's crazy this uh this weather uh i wanted to the you know just touch on like what's the progression like in terms of you know retainment and is there so from 14 to 15 to 16 to 18 is like is your guys' goal is to keep these kids all the way throughout, or are you, you know, is there a, a point in time where you're saying, hey, no, you should maybe go look at a prep school, or maybe you should go to the USHL, or the, you know, I know you've put some kids in the national development program, right? So, you know, like how is that navigating, and how is that, you know, and and I guess my second part, and maybe we could just get to this afterwards, is like you guys must have some great stories just dealing with parents the last few years. Uh, you know, well, yeah, we, we love our parents, our parents. Oh yeah. 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 You know, well, I'm telling you, we, we have a great relationship with all our parents. It's, it, it is actually really good. And, but if that's kind of what we've created, like, you know, mm -hmm. we'll, we'll go out with the parents. We'll, we'll go to a bar with them. We'll go out to dinner with them. You know, they're, they're good people. I think, I think they just want communication. I think that was the biggest thing we've, done too in the last two years is we want we, we need to communicate they they want to know where their kids are what they're doing and that, that and we've done a great job of that and that's something that, that you know they told us they said you know we need more communication so that's what we do i mean you know when these kids go on a road trip you, you know to a second where they're going to be what they're going to be doing um and, and that's what we need to do we need to do that to you know to what uh, you know, our responsibility for you know to care of these kids. That's really all they want. We got to be good guys. We got to be good people. We're not our whole staff. We're not yellers and screamers. We've got to be good people. Um, and you know, just they trust us with their kids because I think they, you know, they, they have good relationships with us. So that's kind of how we started, which is a little bit different than, you know, you know, I work with the Terriers, right? You know, I love the Terriers organization, but it's been something that's it's already, you know, in the program for so long, it, it's hard, and there's so many teams, right? I remember when I was working, it seemed like 80 teams. I think it was like 40 or something. That's right. really cool. We got four teams. We can we can be very personal with the uh, parents and, you know, and, and be responsive. I mean, I got calls from, I think, five parents today, and they're like, I'm sorry to bug you. I'm like, no, this, that's my job. My job is mm -hmm. to 
money mind just just talk to me and it's it's it, it works out really well um when you talk about retention and making sure that we're you know we want to retain these kids all right but it's very important to understand what we are we we're we're not here to win national championships that's not that's not the goal we are a development program to help move kids forward at the appropriate time so there's kids that will outgrow us or it's time for them to go like the two, you know, we have two kids that are at the national program. We have one kid that got drafted eighth overall. He was eighth overall, the OHL. Like it's time for you to take that jump. Let's take a quick break from the episode with the BK boys and talk about the colony grill. One of the hottest things about traveling for hockey tournaments is deciding on a place to eat, but it's really a no brainer. Colony Grill is home to the famous hot oil pizza and one-of-a-kind razor-thin crust. It's comfortable, friendly, run by hockey people, and there's always a game on. If you're heading down I-95 in the Connecticut, Westchester area, if you're in Maryland, Virginia, or Florida, there's probably a Colony Grill close by. Bring the team in, order it to the hotel, or even pick up a steaming hot oil pie on the way to the ice. You'll agree that the Colony Grill lives up to the hot oil hype. To find your nearest location near a rink near you, go to colonygrill.com. This interview is also brought to you by Sparks. Sparks is the at-home or on-the-road skate sharpening machine. Head on over to sparkshockey.com and use BY Moss for $50 off your Sparks sharpener. Sparks is the at-home skate sharpening machine that will never fail. Sparks is the gift that keeps on giving for hockey players and parents. It's convenient, easy to use, and will save you money in the long run. With Sparks, you get an accurate sharpening every single time. Again, head on over to sparkshockey.com and order your machine today. Now back to the interview with the BK boys. You know, then we have some other kids where it's, they think it's time for them to take the jump, but we know they need a little more time. And what we do a really good job of, if we have those honest conversations with those kids and their parents, and we're, we're not going to sugarcoat it. We're going to tell them exactly what they should do and we, what we do with the big part of, of that is we don't do it with an agenda, right? We're not going to try to keep a kid in our program that should be going to the next level. We will want to move them on. And we do that. And you know, sometimes it hurts us with our rosters. And, and that's OK, because, again, it's not about, you know, the wins and losses. It's about moving these kids on. We're a development program. We're a stepping stool to get to the next level. And, you know, our whole staff understands that. And, and, and then they appreciate that and respect it. And I think that that's, it's been great. And the parents, I think they, they see that. And I think that's what they like most about, you know, about BK. Yeah. I think BMAC too, one of the things is you brought up, like, you know, you answered Moss, you brought up, you know, will we still move kids to prep school at certain times? Like not every kid's ready to leave home at 13, 14 years old. You know, some kids, you know, some kids are ready or they're living in a non-traditional market and it's too, it, they're driving two hours to get to practice and school's taking a hit and hey you know what it's 14 years old i i gotta get out of here i gotta go be a part of a place like bk because it's all inclusive and it's the right thing um you know there's also kids that down in new england we've had players come from that area that um were too young to play prep school hockey it's 14 15 it's you're not going to go into prep school at a, at a thayer or a taft or a place like that and make an impact at a young age so Players have come to us and played 14-15s. You know, we're in a really unique uh, location. 14-15 um, new hockey in our, in our area is arguably the best in the world. With the GTHL uh, two hours away, the SCTA with Oakville Rangers and all those top programs, the ETA, the Alliance, 
all the Canadian teams are literally 60 miles away. So, um, you know, it's a really good option for kids at 14 or 15 years old to come up for a year or two, um, test the waters and, and, you know, play some elite hockey, um, be a part of a school. And then, Hey, if, if you love it and you want to stay, stay, if you, if you want to go back to the prep school, you always dream of going to, like, we're going to help you do that. We're mm. never been, I've never been personally someone that when you, if someone leaves our program, whether it's our training company or the Russia coalition before, uh, and now BK, if you leave, Hey, best of luck. And, and we're here for you. And a lot of times those kids and families end up coming back the next year. And we all know hockey's a small world. <clears throat> hey, we're, we're, you know, the, the purpose and mission of the program is to develop and advance. And it is difficult at times, especially for our 18s, because God love Artie and Bitter, you know, they've moved three players on just this year alone, um, middle of the year to junior hockey. Um, last year, they moved their top D-man um, and top forward. And this year, they've moved, they've moved their, you know, arguably their top, some of the top three kids. Um, and then they got to go out and play Shattuck. And uh, it doesn't go as well as <laughs> yeah. you want to go because you're not playing with your, your full squad. But again, our, our mission is to develop and advance. And these kids are now often doing great things. Michael Sander, who we just moved on to the Junior Americans, had a hat trick the other night. He's going to Cornell. Um, and we're fired up. We put that up on our socials. All the kids back at BK are rooting for them. Um, and they know they're next up. So that is the mission of the program. That's why we started from the beginning. Um, and we certainly are not going to hold a kid here ever. Um, you know, we, we'd love a kid to stay here and play four years if they, if they want to do that, if it fits them. Um, but if not, we'll to support them as they move forward. And you know, a lot of the kids that are playing junior hockey, they still got a long road ahead, as you guys know. When they yeah. do the program at 16, even 17, after a year of 18, they've still got three years of junior ahead. You know, and they're calling us, hey, coach, you know, can you help me with colleges? He's 19 or 20 years old, and we're still helping those kids out. And we've actually we've helped a lot of kids that have left the program earlier um, get committed as well. So um, we certainly are a place that, that – that blackballs players when they leave. And that's just not something I'm about personally. And I, that's since we started the program, that's been, uh, you know, one of our priorities is to make sure we're supporting kids, whether they're here with us or, or they moved on. Yeah. And Yans, I mean, we talked a little bit about this up in Quebec. I think yeah. it's very interesting. You know, I, you know, I come from a, a prep school background, right. I come yep. from, you know, I went to Nobles, worked there and I have, I love it. I love it there. It was, it was, you know, it's an unbelievable place. And, you know, you be Cushing and, uh, Moss, you being it there. I remember being a little BMAC watching you at the old Pilgrim Arena. When I was, you know, and, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to date you, Moss, but <laughs> I was a little kid watching. I loved it, but I, I, I do remember. Just say, hey, just saying that they Mots played for Thayer when they were at Pilgrim Arena. Oh yeah, that's dating enough. Background, it was. Oh, <laughs> I still remember, and it was a, a big super fan, but um. No, but the, you know, you know, you, you, when you kind of look back at that and you're looking at this, I know, remember, you know, for me, I played eighth grade, ninth grade um, for the varsity and really I was there, but I really wasn't playing. Right. So how much better am I really getting? And so I think that you, you can look at it too. It's like, all right, maybe if you really want to go the prep school route, that's great. But, why not be on the ice, develop, make sure you're, you know, maybe you're on the power play. You're getting touches every night. Like, I think that's important. I, I, I love it's You know, you love to play for your prep school at a young age. It's like a great thing, but not, you know, the, the 1% really plays a lot. I mean, I know I was just basically sitting on the bounds of grocery stick playing, you know, at eighth grade, I don't know what, like I wasn't playing at all. So what am I really doing? But we can, 
what we can do is we can help because we would be, these kids would be on the ice developing every single day, getting the touches, you know, being in a con, uh, competitive environment. And that's okay. And it's, if, if you want to go to the prep school, we've had a kid, you know, a kid go to Avon. And I think it's great, right? That's what he wanted to do. But I don't know if he would be the player at Avon right now if he didn't come to us for two years. I really don't because I, he, this kid needed to, to develop and get better. And, you know, and I, I'm so proud of him. He's doing a great job at Avon. And that's okay, too. Right. If, right. If, everyone, if that's the path you want to take, we can help with that path. So it's not like we're just trying to get people to college or to the NHL or whatever. It's if you want to go prep school, we could help you with our model. And I think that that's something that I don't think a lot of people look at. I think they kind of see us like, all right, we just want to keep all our kids for the whole time. It's like, no, we listen to them. We, we want to we understand where, you know, where they're at, where their heads are at. And, you know, whatever we can do to help, that's what we want to do. Yeah, you've talked about moving kids along and um, over the course of you know, your time, uh, has there been situations where you've had to have difficult conversations where maybe a player isn't just cutting it and it's just not a good fit? And, you know, could you just talk to us about maybe how you approach that situation? Yeah, that's, I mean, we try, that doesn't, that doesn't happen very often. I think we do a really good job with, um, you know, evaluating the players, make sure that they can fit. Um, what we really want is we want kids to be here and be sponges and, and just do the right things. I mean, I think if, if it doesn't work out here, a lot of times it's, you know, maybe it's not working out in the dorms or, you know, they're just not a good fit for the program. Like that, those are other things. It's not really skill-based. It's, are they understanding kind of what we're teaching? Are they, are they buying in? If the kids buy in, they'll get better. I mean, we've had kids that, I mean, I got one kid, I'm not gonna mention names, but you know, he started out with me on the 14s, fourth line, right? But just unbelievable kid. Listen to everything we said was a sponge. You know, he's on the 16s now. He's got a full ride, full ride to Wisconsin. I mean, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it, we want good kids that will buy in and that, you know, understand what we're doing. Um, you know, and, and I, we really don't have many, we don't have bad kids that come to our program. It's just sometimes it's not the right fit. And I, I said that before, it's, you know, this place is not for everybody. All right. It's just got to be a good marriage. Um, you know, unfortunately, and you guys know, parents get all upset. My, my kid's not on the power play, this and the other thing. And we're just saying, well, you know, we don't think that he should be on the power play right now. There's nothing wrong with that. That's okay. But the kids that kind of work through it, they gain something so much more valuable by just kind of working through it rather than just saying, all right, well, I'm going to leave and go to the next best thing because I'll play every day. No, it's, 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 it's a... It's a learning experience that they have to go through that'll strengthen them um, when they do get to the next level. Because um, you know, you guys know. I mean, it's it's. I mean, well, maybe not all you guys. You guys are all big time players, but it's hard. It's hard when you get to college. It's it gets really serious, and you know that that you know from playing, you know, playing every night to sitting in the stands every night is a, a very thin line, and uh, you know. You know, but preparing these kids beforehand for that is, is you know, very important for us. I think it's such an important piece. I mean, I was talking to a, a Division One coach the other day, and it was just the navigating of of everything, right? And you know, the school, a hockey school, they had a kid that was with their program, you know, was playing, was playing as a freshman, like got a bunch of minutes, and then was was you know, made the decision to enter the portal and transfer. And now they're at another school, you know, out West. And like, 
not playing as much. And, you know, it was like that kind of everybody's in such a rush is, is, is kind of like a real thing. Right. So it's, uh, you know, it, it, I think what you guys and, and everything that you're saying here and just, you know, helping people with the navigating and kind of paying your dues a little bit and working through difficult situations because it's not going to be easy. Like it, you know, I remember, you know, my freshman year up at UNH and you, you know, you're on the power play at the, you know, in prep school and you're like, you think you're a hot shot. Right. And then it's like, yeah, you're like the fourth right shot defenseman. Like good luck. You know what I mean? And I think it was, you know, my freshman year, I might've had five or six points or something, you know what I mean? So it would have been very easy to just like look at my dad and say, Hey, like this, you know, I'm not playing a lot. You know what I mean? Like, get me out of here. Where can I go to another school? Right. But you know, that conversation, it wasn't even a thought at the, at, at the time. Right. But I think those things have become more and more realistic for, for, for kids instead of working through their issues. And, you know, luckily, you know, by the next year, right. It was my minutes increased, right. There's a couple seniors moved on a couple guys like that. And now I'm, you know, running the power play and putting up points and things like that. But, you know, to just to, to, you know, kind of echo what you guys said, like working through those issues. And that's something that we try to talk about quite a bit is like, you know, just like trusting that process and working through things is, is really important. It, it, you know, in life in general, right. Not just in, in hockey, but this, like not every kid that goes to BK is going to play in the NHL. Not every kid's going to get a division one scholarship. Right. But you know, this can prepare them for whatever the next phase is in life, right? Whether it's running a youth hockey program or working at Morgan Stanley, right? It's just life skills are so important. Yeah, I remember at BC, I mean, <clears throat> I came in from Des Moines, had a pretty good year. Freshman year, I, I was hockey East, all rookie team, et cetera. I mean, sophomore, junior year, I had like 15 points. I mean, I back in the if, – if it was portal days, I would have probably, you know, yeah, jumping into that thing back then. <laughs> You know, right. but thank God that that wasn't that didn't exist. And I had guys like Moths coming back and uh, talking me off the ledge. <laughs> you know, but, but, we had a few good nights. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, but just battled up, up, you know, ups and downs. And was that the good, was that a good thing that he came back or a bad thing? We're trying to figure that out. Uh, all positive. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, but then it was two two years, and I was just grinding. I had to figure it out, and I just like you're saying, yeah, it's like just battled. And that senior year, I had this great senior year, um, and I ended up lucky enough to turn pro. But I never would have been able to to be a pro if I hadn't figured that out and hadn't gone through those two years and the ups and downs and, and just uh, having to grind and battle and figure out a way to contribute, figure out a role to to, to fit into. Um, you know, I remember Mott's calling me or he texted me after we we beat North Dakota in the in the semifinal Frozen Four at a hat trick. And then the next night, I went for the Hobie. Don't win the Hobie. And you text me, you're like, don't worry about the Hobie. I wait. I would have rather won a national championship. So don't worry about that. The next day, we hit the post a second left. Lost Wisconsin. <laughs> <laughs> so you only get either one. But, uh, <laughs> and then fast forward, you know, you know, two months later, I signed a great contract with the Bruins. And another month and a half later, I'm in Long Beach in the East Coast League. You know, I just led the country scoring. I'm in the. Now I'm in the coast battle. Now you're in the LBC. Playing the ends down in Arizona. <laughs> um, but just, you know. I, had I was this, there when you got called up, though, right? Yeah, that's right. I, I said a tracksuit with me. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
No, but I mean, just, you know, having gone through that to your guys' point, like that's what we're trying to instill in these kids. And it's not easy sometimes as parents and it's not their fault. A lot of these parents just don't know. They're not, they've never gone through it yet. They, they might, you know, so it's, it's our job to educate these parents, get the kids prepared for what's going to be the next level because they, they will go through ups and downs in our program, but we got a great group of guys that are here for them, care about them. And yeah, it's, we're not going to hold their hand the whole time. It's going to be hard, but, um, you know, you get to that next level, it's it's cutthroat. If you're not, you don't handle it certain ways, you're you're traded or you're released or you're cut, sent down. So um, those are all types of things that I was lucky enough to learn um, throughout my career with with really really good people. Um, you know, and now hopefully we can instill that in the younger generation that gets coming up through. For the record, I would take that 15 point season any day. <laughs> any day. 15 points, jeez. That's not bad, <laughs> but I mean, I think, but it, but it is, it's kind of comical because it's like, yeah, that was Chris's struggle. I had a different struggle. Mine was just getting the lineup every night, right? It's everyone has different struggles when they get to that level. I mean, you know, and, and I think that guys like me who were trying to struggle to get in the lineup, we don't even understand the guys that were the top of the team and know what their struggles were, right? Everyone's got their own struggles, but I think that it's important for for these kids to kind of, you know, get some disappointment a little bit early on and battle through it. I think it's, it's just, uh, it's vital for them, for their success. It's not just hockey, right? Like you brought that up, the ends, like it's when hockey's over, I mean, hockey ends for all of us, whether it ends when you're 18, 19 or ends when you're 40, but what's next, you know, it's tough. Like getting into the real world is tough. It's hard. And you got to figure out what you're doing and it's like you start from scratch again. So these are, you know, hockey's the game teaches you a lot of things that, that, that stay with you for, you know, well, well past your playing days. So it's super important to, 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 you know, harness all that and, and take as much of it as you can, as you go through it, you just utilize every resource you can. You meet so many great people. Um, the network you get from hockey is just, it's incredible. So lean on that and, and make sure you utilize it the whole way. I also think the two, just being part of like that family, you know, I think that you, you listen to all these ex pros and they always say like, what's the first thing that you miss? It's like just being with the boys. Right. Like, you know, that that's an important thing. That's what hockey teaches you. Like, you know, just going to go to battle every day with with your buddies. I mean, there's nothing better than that. It's it's awesome. And, uh, you know, that's that's still what I miss. And I think that that's kind of what I've you know, when I got into coaching and stuff like that, I got that back. Right. And it's it's you know, that's what I love about coaching in the selfish level is just being part of a team again. It's it's awesome. There's nothing there's nothing like it. I mean, you know, Mots and Chris know like we got a great. Uh, you know, BC group, and we still all love each other. It's it's a it's a, it's a special bond, and that's what that's what we're we're really that's what we're giving these kids, and, and that's what we're we're helping them out with. Yeah, and, and to your point, um, I would just say they don't realize the skill sets that that they're developing, but with you know good instruction or good guidance from what you guys are talking about, they're they're learning these things that they can pl- apply well outside of hockey. And they're going to be that much more further ahead than their peers that, you know, the book smarts or whatnot. Once they apply those, you know, discipline, work ethic, working within a team, you know, apply it to something outside of hockey and they're going to be rock stars. And I think that's important to, you know, encourage and maybe like just reference. But they're just innately learning these things through, you know, just the game itself, which is amazing. And that's what I always appreciated about the game and obviously you know the boys in the locker room 
That's uh, second to none, all right? So that's never going to leave you when you when you stop playing. You miss that the most. And and what I always said was you can prepare for something after, you know, you're done playing whatever age you're at. Uh, but once, you know, you get pulled out of that room, it's really an emotional void that it's very difficult to kind of replace. So that's great, Betty and, and Chris, that you're, you're still involved and you still have that connectivity to the, the room and the game. And uh, that's just something that, you know, I experienced and I, I just love, you know, being able to look back and see some of the things that I was able to learn just through the game. Yeah, even just little things like look at someone in the eye when you shake their hand, you know, or just holding a door for somebody. I remember playing in the U.S. Festival at 16 and the biggest thing the coach told us was make sure every single door, every single time you walk through a door, you hold the door for someone. And I've taken that with, that with me the rest of my life. It's a little detail that just goes a long way. So these little tiny things, and you never know who, who you're, you're wearing a jacket or you're wearing a hat or you never know who you're around. People are always watching. And uh, you know, those are little things that hopefully these kids can pick up and take with them and, and take with the rest of their lives. It'll, it'll help them out, which it, it was huge for me all the, all the way along. Can you talk about the, the growth of hockey in the Rochester area, right? Especially since, you know, growing up. And I think it's super cool how, you know, you guys started out and your sister and, you know, doing the learn to skate program and now seeing, obviously I play against the Roco 2011 team and, you know, seeing the, the, the 09 group for years and everything. So you guys just having that, that major impact is, uh, is really cool. But now you even see it at the, you know, the North American league level, right? You got guys like the Giantas, um, and obviously we had Brian on not long ago on the podcast and, and, you know, he was talking about being involved in coaching and things like that. And, you know, but, you know, back in the day, like, you know, you had your, your, your handful of kind of, New York guys like yourself that, you know, ended up going and playing division one, but I think you're seeing more and more now. Right. So it, it must be something that you guys are pretty proud of. Yeah, no question. I think when I grew up, I was looking up to, to Brian Johnson, Marty Reisner, yeah. um, you know, Jeff Farkas, Brooks Orpik from, from around the area. Um, Mott's really, team. What's that? Mott's team. Basically. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think that was the power play. Yeah, <laughs> depend if Farkas had a good night night before or not. But um, no, so th those were guys I looked up to, and there and there wasn't a ton of guys. I mean, it was it was a small handful, like you're talking about. Um, and I think now you look at the city of Rochester, there is an incredible amount of players coming out. Not necessarily mm -hmm. players turning pro, but the players moving on to prep school, college hockey, whether it's Division One, Division Three, the high school hockey in the area is booming. Um, you know, the, the youth is exploding. Um, there's actually, I mean, we have so many young kids playing uh, with the Rochester Junior Americans program, the Roco program, my sister's Evolve Learn to Skate program. Um, I mean, it is it is booming big time, and we actually need more rinks. We're, we're running out of, of rinks to, for all the young players that are coming up, which shows you the excitement of, of what's happened in the area. Um, you know, I think there's been a lot of people that have been really instrumental in that, the, the Wegmans hockey group has been awesome. They, they helped um, the junior Americans get going way back with the young ones and helped us at BK get started. And now they're, now they're obviously sinking a lot of effort into the North American league team. So from learn to skate all the way through the, the, the youth up into the, the, not only just BK, I mean, obviously BK is great. All the, you know, good local kids can come play here. Um, kids from all around North America come in. So it's more role models and idols for these young kids to come and watch day in, day out, not only the games, but practices. Um, you know, we're putting a big emphasis on home weekends. So 
these young kids can actually come and watch these BK games. Uh, you have the Roco Midget program that's still cranking along, moving kids to prep schools. Uh, so everyone's kind of finding their their niche in the, in the area and and really doing a nice job with it. So I'm excited. I think uh, it's I'd argue it's one of the best hockey markets in the country. You know, um, I think mm-hmm. we're just kind of getting going here too. I think there's a lot a lot of good things on on the horizon. Um, so I'm I'm extremely proud of it. I you know, I represent BK and, and different things, but I am roster hockey first and foremost. And I, I grew up here and I, I owe everything to guys like Brian Gianta and, and Marty and those guys. Without those guys, I, I would never would have even known what prep school or BC even was. So um, I, I'd like to say now that you have all these young kids looking up and there, there's 30, 40, 50 guys like that that they can look up and, and see. And, you know, we have a lot of our older players come back and work with the young ones and, um, yeah, it's just awesome. I appreciate you bringing it up because it is it is special to me. It's it means a lot to me. And um, my father, who's sadly sixty six now, and he's the call him splinter. He's the old guru. Um, <laughs> he's, you know, he'll say, "Chris, this is a bad idea. You should be doing this." And I'm like, "Oh, you don't know what you're talking about." And then a year later, <laughs> he was right. <laughs> he, Greg, and my sister, uh, and Ben knows too. He 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 leaned out for a bunch of stuff coaching the fourteen. So. Um, having a guy like that who has been here for 40 years and, and, and seen the good and the bad in the city that's come through, um, you know, so it's it's awesome. We're excited, and I think uh, I think it's just a start for Rochester, hopefully. Great and stuff, boys. Mac up here, too, which wasn't easy. Steve Greeley came out to me at the bean pot. He said, I'm the only guy to ever leave, leave Boston to go to Rochester. <laughs> <laughs> so he's not wrong. But you guys, yeah. you guys know what it's like. If you're in Boston, it's like I'm never leaving here, right? It's just, yeah. just I don't know if, if it's a good thing or a bad thing, but we're just like we're never leaving here. But um, yeah, I, hey, I, I, it was tough, but I moved out to Rochester, and I'm telling you, it's like it, the people out here are unbelievable. Uh, you know, I have so many new friends that I've met coming out to Rochester. It's just it, it's it's an unbelievable. It's almost like it's just like a small college campus really and it, you know you know everything in rochester is like 20 minutes away the the pride they have in their hockey programs are unbelievable and, and you know when i came when i first came up to rochester i came up just to visit chris and i figured we just go out hang out have some beers and whatever have a good time but he do, me do what you usually do well now yeah that but yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah exactly but uh no but I, I i saw what they were doing out here and it's just, it's so different. It's, it's so different from Boston. It's, it's, uh, it's like a, it's a real family environment. The, the, the rink that, you know, the, our training facility that we have that was, uh, you know, built by uh, Glenn Collins, like it's, it's, it's nothing like you've ever seen before. It's, it's totally different. It's a, it's a different experience. It's hard to put into words. I remember driving back and telling Chris and Greg Collins, like, that's like it's like field of dreams of hockey. It really is, and it, it's a it's a cool environment to be in. And I, I you know, I, I love it up here. And you know, I, I will say I was a little nervous leaving Boston, but it was, you know, my decision was a lot easier to make after COVID because it was I didn't really I don't know if I had a job. I you know I went from <laughs> co- coaching ten teams to having nothing and can't even get in the rink. So it was like, all right, well we'll just go to Rochester then. But it's been it's been unbelievable. I mean, I, I love the people here. Um, it's, it's it's such a cool spot. It really is. It's so different than I thought. I, I mean, I thought I was wearing like the Eskimo gear and just you know slushing around town, but it's not it's not like that at all. And like Chris said before, the golf is unbelievable here. So, well, even that's the first you know 
talking about my father, the, the rink that he built, like I was, I was a VC and he, we always had a backyard rink growing up. Like all of us, did, especially up in Rockstar back in the day, everyone had rinks. He skated in the canal ponds, the whole thing. That's how we got good as hockey players. That's why, how we fell in love with the game. It wasn't the practices at the, the rinks. It was the outdoor, the street hockey. That's how you fell in love with the game. And that's, you know, my father basically built his entire business on how did Chris and Greg make it? How did they, how did they do it? How did Brian Gianta, Ryan Callahan, they just played outside. They fell in love with it. That's what they did. So he literally calls me. He's like, Chris, I, I bought a rink. I bought a property. I'm building a rink. I'm like, well, okay. What is out the rink? Who's, you know, who's, who's going to shovel it? <laughs> you know, it was literally an actual facility. I thought he was going crazy. Um, and that's the rink that he, you know, he, he put his life into. He built it literally by hand. Um, it's always funny when people come back to the rink because they, if they're coming from Toronto or Boston or they're, a hockey person they walk in and they're like oh my god this is this is yeah. it if they're not a hockey person you know nothing against it, but they they walk in they're like what is this this isn't a real hockey rink this isn't like it's right. like no, no no this is the epitome of what hockey is and when we first started bk we didn't have dorms to show off we didn't have a brand we had nothing right we just when these kids came in to to, to see what we were doing we just brought them over and showed them our family rink and my mom's sitting there with my sister's English bulldog and the bulldog stealing pizzas from the kids and knocking kids over on the skating. It's a family environment, but it's, it's built and founded on like what we did as kids and why we fell in love with the game. That's where it all, the foundation of the rink is. And luckily my dad was pretty good at building things. He built the entire place. Everything that I built in there had to get taken down because, uh, <laughs> <it all> up. <laughs> so when you walk in, you'll know what Chris built because it's got screws sticking out or something like <laughs> that. But uh, it's part of the character of the place. And, you know, the, the slogan was Spartan over luxury. And that's what we didn't have any money. Um, you know, we were competing against the junior Sabres up in Buffalo who had Pagula money. We, you know, we just, how do you compete? Right. But it was Spartan over luxury. You, you come here to get good and come here to train and, and just put the work in. And um, there might be some screws sticking out of the wall, but it's, uh, it's this is the place where you get better hockey and, and fall in love with the game. And it's proven that, you know, these young kids are starting to really show that, um, you know, growing up in that environment is, is paying off. So um, it's just been a lot of fun. And I, you know, again, like when DMAX said his field of dreams, I was like, all right, DMAX, you get it. Yeah. We're yeah. coming back. Buddy. <laughs> yeah. I, I fell in love with it. It was like fountain of youth. It, it really is. It's hard to explain. It really is until you see it. You just kind of, kind of, you know, get in, get, get in the walls there and you'll be like, wow, this is, this is really, this, it brought me back to when I was like, I don't know if you guys remember this. Mott's probably might, but you know, playing in that Hingham middle rink with the the yeah. boards who were only a foot high, like you know, it just brings you back to being a kid again. It's uh, there's nothing better than when you're a young kid and you got dreams of playing in the NHL. And you know, for me, it was you know, I wanted to you know, I want to be Cam Neely. Like that, that was that was that was it. It's like you walk into those, you walk into that that facility, and it's like it all comes back to you. It's, it's a really cool experience. And, you know, I, I recommend people check it out because it's, it's just so different. It's awesome. Oh, that's great stuff. You're going to have to get us some pitches so we can get them up with the, uh, on the social media and everything. And yeah, we'll before we let you go, cause obviously we've, you know, we've, we've, we've taken up a lot of you guys this time, but um, you know, what's the best way? Like, so if I'm a, you know, because we have people that listen to the show in non-traditional hockey markets and, and you know, people from everywhere, right? New England and, and, you know, overseas, you name it. So, like, what's the best way to, you know, reach out and maybe come, come, you know, 
check it out, right? Or, or, you know, go on a visit or have some type of contact with you guys and see if BK is the right fit for them potentially. Yeah. I mean, just, it's going on there. You know, our, I would like to say just call Chris, but um, <laughs> here's Chris's <laughs> cell phone number. Call him anytime. <laughs> anytime. Yeah, exactly. No, but I mean, no, that's my job. And my job is to, you know, we get so many inquiries and, and, tons of people and it's it is hard because we have to go through all you know we go through all their film if we can find it um you know we we try to go i try to go out and see as you know many games as i possibly can but it's hard um, i mean really it's just it's going online and finding you know finding the website and, and you know reaching out to me um you know i i'm not the best at emails but i you know i'll, I'll go in there on a monday and i'll spend about four hours and, and catch up on it but yeah, no, it's just creating conversations and, you know, seeing to be the right fit, you know, doing the applications, the biggest thing we needed, you know, you know, that's, that's what, you know, you're applying to a school. You're not just, you're not just switching hockey programs. You're going to a whole new school and that you got to make sure that your, your grades are in line and uh, you know, that um, you get good teacher, teacher recommendations and all that stuff. Um, but yeah, if you, if you, if you really want to, you just go to our website and then make sure that, uh, you know, you send me an email, send me an email, give me as much information as you can. We'll, we'll try to get back to you. We have, I mean, we, we have been extremely successful. I think with our last two national championships, um, it's, you've seen more and more emails. I mean, you're looking at, you know, 25 to, to 30 a, a day. Um, but that's okay. That's, that's my job. My job is to kind of filter through and see if, see if we can make fits, but, um, you know, I, I, like we talked about at the beginning here, going to the Quebec tournament too, it's creating relationships with people so they know who we are. So, you know, I'm handing out my card and my number to all these people. They can always reach out. I mean, we don't, we don't technically recruit. Um, we just, or we just want people to come and see the school. And if it's something they want to do, if it's something that'll fit for them, then that's great. Then we'll, t- then we'll talk further. We're not going to call you and say, you know, you know, call you left and right and try to recruit you to our school. These kids are some some of these kids are 13 years old. That's that's ridiculous. We're not going to do that. Um, we want people that want to be at BK that understand what our vision is. And, um, you know, if that's if that's some of these kids out there, then, yeah, just just reach out. Yeah, we appreciate you taking the time, boys. Awesome catching up. Always uh, good to gang up on a, a wildcat <laughs> and just put the boots to them like we usually do. That's why we left Gary. That's why we left Gary off here. I know you guys didn't even send him the, the the link with the email. Unbelievable. Well, you know, <laughs> no, but this, he came on a visit to B. He came on a visit to BC. You know that, right? He came on a visit. No, no, he came. He's supposed to come on a visit to BC Friday. He yes. goes to UNH Wednesday. Borak, the best recruiter in history of the world. So I don't know what you guys did to him up there, but Greg calls me on like Thursday afternoon. He's like, "Yeah, I'm not coming down for the visit. I had a whole thing planned out. Nettie Haven involved, like the whole thing." <laughs> <laughs> and he's I'm like, you're not coming? He's like, no, I'm not coming. I committed to UNHR. I was like, what? And I literally didn't speak to him for like a month. So like, <laughs> New York actually thought that I like I wasn't playing very well at the time. And I was like playing like third or fourth line. And uh, and Jerry's like, Chris, like, what? you can't interfere the recruiting process. I'm like, do you think I told my brother not to come to BC? Jerry <laughs> 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 you know, actually thought I was telling Greg to go to UNH. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. Anyways, we'll get him back on here. We, can- we sweet talked him and headlocked him up there. You know what I mean? So we're going to have to get you guys on. And, and, you know, I think this was great talking um, a lot about BK, right? Because, you know, I think there's a lot of questions. And we do. We get a lot of a qu- questions about the, you know, academies versus prep schools or 
you know, in New England, Catholic schools, public schools, right? There's so many different things. So I think it's it's cool to um, you know to to hear exactly you know from you guys being in that academy format and and also you know the the difference too, right? Like a brick and mortar type of school where the, you 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 have to apply to, and it kind of has that prep school vibe to it from what I gather. So I think this is uh, this has been great, but we got to get you guys on and you know, we can, we can tell a lot of different hockey stories and, you know, your paths guys growing up obviously would be uh, you know, that's, we can't be on here for six hours tonight, but we'll have to uh, get that in a different episode. Right. Martin have some, uh, have, have a few more laughs about, uh, you know, some different, it was just hot stove it. Yes, (laughs) exactly. Exactly. But um, Benny and, 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 and Chris, thank you. Obviously uh, you know, we wish we could have had Greg on here as well because you know, it, it, it would have been nice to have a wildcat with us, but uh, we really appreciate you guys taking the time. Again, bkselects.org is the website, and you're going to have to send us some pics of the uh, training facility, like I said, and, uh, you know, especially we'll get them up on the social media with some of the, the, the clips here and everything. So this has been great. Thank you guys, and uh, looking forward to seeing you guys soon, as we usually do in the ranks. And keep spinning those tunes. Much you should yeah. throw in some requests with these guys. They have- hey, we, got, we got senior night coming against St. Andrews in the weekend. We'll send you some clips. Oh, oh yeah, cranking it. We'll be spinning. One CD, one CD, one CD. Old school. Old school. Uh, it's it's always yeah, it's always good to be uh, solid on the ox, right? You got to be good on the ox. to get some uh, street cred with the boys. So well, we have a goal horn now, and I screwed up. Some kid had an open net, and I gave him the, the old goal horn too early. He missed no. It, so. I, know. I, thought, I thought it was fired from the production team, but you know, they gave me another shot. So, oh, that's awesome. Blast, boys. That's awesome. awesome. Well, thanks for having us. You guys, you guys are awesome. Uh, you know, I'm sure we'll keep, keep these going with you guys. Yeah, definitely. All right, All right boys. Thanks, thank boys. you. That interview was brought to you by MCN Sports Management. Hockey parents, are you tired of going to the same tournaments or are you just looking for an event that is truly unforgettable? If so, then listen up. Since 2018, MCN Sports Management has become a world leader in international hockey tournaments and tours. With tournaments in four different locations across Europe, there is something for all ages. Whether it is an individual looking to join a team or full organizations looking to travel together, we have the perfect trip for you. MCN is in full swing preparing for their 2024 overseas events. They currently have openings for players and teams from U11 through U17 boys and girls divisions to compete in some of the most prestigious events in Europe, such as the Nord Cup, the Lions Cup, and the Bauer World Cup. Don't miss out on these unforgettable tournaments and trips that your family and you will never forget. Visit them at mcnsm.com to learn more about each of the tournaments and how to join. That's mcnsm.com. And make sure you tell them that Ring Shrink sent you. Mott, so it was great chatting with uh, with Ben McManamer and Chris Collins from BK. Uh, obviously, you know, guys we've known for, for quite some time. Uh, you know, a lot of history with those guys growing up around here, playing against each other. But, um, you know, it was it, uh, it, like... I know a bit about the the BK program, right? Just through you know going up there and talking with those guys, seeing them at different tournaments. But it's really cool to to hear the story of how it started and talk about their formula and their kind of progression that they like to follow, and um, you know the the family business and everything. So it was that, that was a great interview, great chatting with those guys. Yeah, two top notch guys, right? You know, just 
You get um, good people teaching the game the right way. I love their approach. Um, and it was really good to hear it from them because, you know, we can talk about the academies all we want. We haven't lived it. We're not really involved. We know a lot about it, but it's not, you know, what we do day to day. And to hear mm-hmm. it from them was was really great because, you know, the day to day, their, you know, kind of philosophy on on players, you know, develop and move on. And, um, you know, they, they have a good setup. and They've had success. You know, they say it's not about wins and losses, but their the success is coming because of, the way they're doing things. So it's really, it's really good to see. And they hit, they hit a lot of points that we kind of touch on a lot, you know, the honest, you know, conversations with parents and um, just really putting the work in. Working through their struggles, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I I think it was a really good, informative, uh, fun interview to do because, you know, you you want them to do well and they're good guys and they're doing the right things. And, you know, if, uh, you know, we can help, you know, someone out there to kind of navigate the situation a little bit by having those guys on. It's it's a it's a win win. Absolutely. Um, all right, it is time for the my hockey rankings question of the week. Obviously, myhockeyrankings.com, where you can find where your team stacks up against the rest. Um, Mots, this is a good question here. Do you uh, do exit meetings one on one exist at the youth level, or do coaches address the entire team as a group? I like this question. What are your thoughts on it? Uh, personally, I did not do year-end exit meetings. I did mid-season mm-hmm. uh, one-on-ones, and you know we would have a practice, and I would have each player come in um, and have one-on-ones, and I would have you know what I thought that they were doing very well, things that they could work on, you know, ask them questions. You know, I want them to talk and, and let me know. But I would be more mid-season. I wouldn't have the kind of so, so-called so year-end exit meeting like you would like in, you know, college or pro. Or At what age would you start doing that? The high school level would be, you know, I think pretty good for mm-hmm. the feedback from the coach. You know, something, something that – you know, constructive criticism that they can process. Yeah. Um, so that age, you know, could vary a little bit, but I'd say in the high school years, I think that, you know, that feedback could be very valuable moving forward, things to work on. I mean, you can still do that at the younger ages, but just having a little bit, when there's a little bit more accountability in the game, I think that's when, you know, you can have these, you know, and it can be a progression. You could start them younger if you if you choose to do, but you know, you have to still keep in in mind, you know, that age of the development. You know, the level of expectation versus you know the execution and the development of the player and the age. Are you having, you know, and I, I guess I'm I'm turning this into my own question to you as a coach, <laughs> right? Um, yeah, but. Are you having those meetings with the kids only or are you talking with the parents as well? Or, or you know, because I've always found, you know, I've, I've been coaching at the youth level for a long time. And like you said, it's like everything's age appropriate. Um, you know, I think talking to the kids now, you know, with my 2011 group, like, you know, having one on one type of meetings with them, kind of what they can do over the summer and things like that, I think would be important. But it's also as a coach, it's kind of challenging, too, because you're also a dad. Right. So, you you know, like having those conversations with the kids and the parents, like, do the, you know, sometimes the parents, like, do they want to hear 
the exact truth, right? Like you, cause you, you're also a dad, like it, it, it's yeah. kind of like a funny line to toe. So, you know, I guess it, it, it's a really interesting topic. Um, you know, yeah, I think it's that, a great question. Yeah. Know? Yeah. And like, I think it's personal preference, you know, like if you're a good communicator as a coach and, you know, you can get your point across to a kid, but sometimes it depends on the age. That's why I was saying about like high school mm-hmm. level kids could probably process the one-on-one just with the coach. Um, I was doing it more to kind of emphasize the positives, you know, with the kids, just one-on-one with the kid at mm-hmm. that age. And one year, the year before I did do it with the parent who wanted to come in, I, I offered it. Um, yeah. So... You know, you, you know, you customize it towards the age, but um, did yeah, because parent, I think did the did 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 you like hit the parent between the eyeballs and tell them the the, the hard truth or what was the conversation no no like? I mean the, yeah so like the the players in there it was just really it was a positive conversation no matter what I wanted to like really kind of reengage the player mm-hmm. in particular and then you know talk about things that they can work on, which would be, you know, like at an older age, you know, those are the things that you can be a little bit more firm on. Right. Right. So, um, you know, I'll give examples of things that they could work on if they weren't doing things correctly. Right. Okay. So like, the, the, you know, so it was a, like a teaching moment as well. Um, but, but just presenting say a negative in their game, and trying to give them solutions to to kind of attack it and and apply it, you know, as quickly as they could. So, and the you know, a lot of the parents did come in uh, that one year. You know, mm-hmm. some of them couldn't make it, but you know, I would have a conversation with them exactly what I told the the player, and you know, because I would have no, you know notes on each player, and just you know, I, I think it was pretty valuable. Uh, the kids yeah. liked it, and the parents appreciated it that year. And then the next year, they were a little older, so I just did the players. Right. Yeah, no, it's a good point. I think that's a, uh, it's an excellent question. And it's something that, you know, I know at the high school level, like, you know, my son, um, that's out of Cushing, right? Like he texted me this morning was like, Hey, I'm meeting with the coach kind of end of the season. And I actually probably should have followed up with him to see how the conversation went. It must've went fairly decent. Uh, <laughs> cause he didn't call me crying or anything, but, uh, I, I, I got a, see how that uh that all went down but i think that's important right he's you know again he's 17 years old so he's getting uh you know probably some positive feedback and then some negative too like here's what you can do here's what you can be better at and if you want to play at the next level you've got to do this 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 and this right so uh which i think is all encouraging and getting that 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 truth from somebody other than a a dad um or a mom is probably very important. So I think it's good stuff. And I think even at the younger age groups, like I think uh, for me personally, coaching at the, you know, call it these kids are, you know, 12 turning 13, some of them, um, you know, it'd be important to, to start having those conversations with parents and I'm sorry, with, with the players and, you know, what they've done great all season and what they can, you know, everybody one way or another at 13 years old, 12 years old has to get better. Right. If they mm-hmm. want to keep playing. So, um, you know, but you can you can talk those things through and, you know, try to get to the I think it's important to even get the note to to get the kids mindset and where they're at and where they want to project to be. What are their goals? Where do they want to play, you know, two, three years down the road? Exactly. Yeah. It's 
I, I found it as a healthy conversation. And then, you know, you put in your, you, you put your input into what they can, uh, you know, improve on. But like, I really did emphasize what they did well, like whether it be a small little play on the wall, you know, consistently mm-hmm. or whatever it was. But um, yeah, that was a great question. And, you know, hopefully that helps some of the coaches out there uh, maybe think about that in a way. Absolutely. Uh, good one for the My Hockey Rankings question of the week. Uh, I want to thank the uh, the guys from BK. Obviously, I missed not having my boy Greg uh, Collins <laughs> on. We could have had you know a little Wildcat versus Eagles, a little rivalry, a little chatter, and we could have got the real truth of why uh, you know why Greg chose to go to UNH and not to BC because I know he had those options. But uh, we can uh, we can have those guys on again. So that was great interview, great chatting with them. Uh, once again, this is a reminder that the show was presented by Bet Online, and it is time to cue the Ring Shrink Shuffle jersey. 